You are now listening to the Masters of Everything with me, Victoria Masters. The Masters of Death. Hey everybody, it's back. It's your girl, back again. (laughs) Um, So I had an overwhelming sense of joy after launching this podcast. Um, Totally feels right. Totally feels just completely spirit-led and supported. So thank you so much for all of the support, all of the shares, um, and of course, all of the reviews. I love it, and I love you guys. So thank you. Okay, but now it's time to talk about a story time. Okay, so exactly five years ago in January of five years ago, (laughs) whatever time that was, 2013 maybe? Yeah. So five years ago, um, I had um, an extreme near-death experience. So um, I had been overridden very quickly, like within an hour or two, deteriorated and had um, severe flu and pneumonia symptoms. And I'll never forget this day because it was so normal, you guys. Like, my little sister was in town, so I went to go visit her. Everything was good. I went home. I decided to babysit for a friend who was going on a date. She's a single mom. So I had Trace, and I had my friend's kid, and they were playing. And all of a sudden, I would just remember sitting on the sofa and, like, literally within an hour going from, like, feeling absolutely okay to feeling like I was dying really, really quickly. And it was just crazy. Like I I just remember, you know, of course, feeling so cold and I knew a flu, um, a fever was coming on. And then like, just seriously, it was like it flashed before my eyes. I remember not being able to move off the sofa. It was crazy. So, um, pretty quickly by the next morning, um, it became really apparent that I probably should go to the hospital. And when I went to the hospital, I went to the emergency room and I think I had like 104 fever or so. And, um, they sent me home. Yeah. They were like, uh, yeah, you know, you must just caught the flu or something and you know you'll you'll be okay so um if anything changes like if you're not if you're throwing up to um or can't keep anything down stuff like that make sure to come back in so um I go home and within another two hours or so I mean I'm getting worse and worse and worse and so my husband was like absolutely not you're throwing up now you don't even have anything to throw up we need to get you to the hospital again. So we get to the hospital. I'm delirious. I have a probably 104 to 105 fever. And I remember it broke a little bit because I remember breaking out in a sweat. And um, as I went to go get a snack and I was like, I'm hungry. See, look, I'm hungry. I'm feeling better. I don't have to be at the hospital anymore. Take me home. And he's like, no, no, like we're already here, you know. So we go into the triage and they take my temperature again. I'm like, girl, I'm good. Like, you don't even have to worry about me. I'm good. And she's like, you still almost have 104 fever. And I was like, oh. So we went back and got more x-rays. And this time they're like, why did they send you home? You have double pneumonia. You're not even operating on full oxygen on your own. You're going to have to stay overnight. 
And I was like, oh, gosh, you guys. No, because remember, like, I'm feeling like a fake sense of feeling better at this point. So I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like, I don't want to, like, no, send me home. And within six days, um, I think I was at the hospital for a total of nine days. And nothing was working. No amount of antibiotics, no amount of fluids, no amount of monitoring, respiratory care, nothing was working. I was only getting worse and worse and worse and worse by the minute. So thank God my husband did send me to the the hospital because I was pretty much dying. Um, Okay, we're back. So let me see if I could record. Okay, so... Um, I'm still getting used to the segment stuff, but anyway, five minute intervals, got to remember that. So anyway, so I'm sitting here and as the days are going by and they're starting to like literally call in doctors from all over the state to come see me because here I am, I'm 21 years old at the time and I'm literally dying of double pneumonia And you're not supposed to be 21 and dying of double pneumonia. Like, it's one thing if you're, like, 80-something years old and your body's not responsive to medications anymore and things like that. Um, And this was a a huge time for me. I was pretty much unconscious for 90% of every single day. Um, I was super weak. I remember, and and can identify this from a status, being so excited because I was able to get down um, about 20, I mean, 200 calories in a day. And I remember being like, yes, like I did it. (laughs) And um, it was absolutely just a crazy, surreal experience. Um, I remember thinking to myself, because, you know, all I had was my thoughts. All I had, my body was failing me. But I had my thoughts. I had my brain whenever I was awake. And I remember feeling and thinking, oh, my God, like I didn't even get to like make my son a video to say all the things I loved about him and and want for his life and, and all these things. I didn't get to say goodbye, you know, and I had my husband on the other side of me who had to still go to work. He, he, he couldn't take off of work while I'm dying in the hospital because we were just so below the poverty level line at that point. And, um, he would come in every day after work and like assist me in trying, attempting to use the restroom. And he was literally wiping my butt. And I just, I just remember thinking like, this is what till death do us part means. This is what unconditional love means. This is what marriage and commitment means right here. Um, And our marriage was never the same after that. Never, ever, ever the same. Um, It changed us forever. It changed the way I I felt about him. It changed the amount of respect I had for him and the loyalty that I could see in his eyes that, you know, might have never seen before. And then I remember... You know, my mom being there and my um, godmother, they'd take turns because, you know, somebody had to pretty much raise Trace during those days. Um, I couldn't do it. Edwin was at work. Like, I needed help. (laughs) And so they would take turns. And I remember my godmother praying over me all through the night. I mean, hours, like, relentlessly praying over me. I remember the one friend (laughs) who came to visit me in the hospital. And, um... I'll never, ever, ever forget her for that. 
And it's just so crazy because you wonder and you ask yourself and you have so much fear around death and what that'll look like and what happens when you're gone and where, where, where does your legacy lie when you're away, when you're, when you're gone forever, you know? And coming super close to that point and coming to the point where I really thought and had to be okay with death and dying. Um, and I just remember feeling just so sad that I couldn't say goodbye. So sad that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. So sad that I had spent 21 years of my life wasting it on the most ridiculous things and the most ridiculous experiences and the most ridiculous fights. And I knew that after that moment, that after, if I pulled through, that I would never, ever be the same. And I haven't. I've never been the same since those times. Okay, so we're back. So that all happened. And clearly, I made it out alive. (laughs) And I remember walking for the first time after not walking for over a week. And I remember being so out of breath to just get out of the bed. And I remember the the breathing machines and the breathing therapy and all these things I basically had to relearn and redo and repractice using my lungs and and how they told me that my the mucus stuck in my lungs um, was thicker than glue and that's why they had such a hard time that's why the antibiotics wouldn't work that soon they were going to consider having some kind of surgery to basically or procedure to basically take a machine and try to manually suck it out of my lungs um, mainly because I was 21, right? Because this wouldn't normally work for a much older person, an elderly person, their bodies just couldn't handle all that. But, um, for me, they were going, there were, that was the next case scenario, but I had to have been, um, a little bit better, a little bit more stable than I was. And because I was getting around the clock, you know, vitals taken and things like that. So, Getting out of the hospital after that point, I don't think I bounced back for like a year or so. I was really super um, PTSD. (laughs) Like I was totally stressed out all the time. I was petrified, petrified of ever catching it again. I remember instantly um, never partaking in Greek yogurt and dairy and things like this because I learned how mucus causing they were and how it affects your body like that and how you know being years and years and years of taking antibiotics frivolously as a child and as a teenager um, had probably not helped the situation and and how that's probably one of the reasons my body wasn't responding to these strong cocktail antibiotics antibiotics was because I was basically immune to them and um, from overdoing it. And I just learned so much. And at that time, in that season of life, I was uh, connected to an organic company. And I remember coming out of that and having a new lease on life completely, 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 no matter if I couldn't afford it or not, which we couldn't, really, uh, you know, um, committing to finding out better ways to committing to organic, 
uh, products and committing to just doing things differently. And, and I certainly wasn't perfect at the time. I'm still not perfect right now. I still could be more active and, and tighten up the diet and things like that. But it changed me. It changed me forever. My commitment to my husband grew exponentially. My commitment to finding out more and better and, and wanting more. And, and I say all of this to say to you guys that you don't have to wait till you have a near death experience to really live. You don't have to wait till you're wondering if you're going to make it through. You're on your deathbed and you're wondering, uh, if you're going to be able to tell your kids goodbye. When you're wondering, um, if your husband ever really loved you because he didn't give you enough attention and things like that. Um, and wait to see how he shows up to you when you're on your deathbed. You don't have to wait till then, you guys. You can live now. You can live now. You can give and give and give your hearts now and see that the world really isn't out to get you. Actually, on the contrary, it's it's really out there to support you and have your back in every single way. And that's what that experience showed me. That's what commitment is all about. That's what, you know, marriage and all these different things that you don't have to wait. You can show that every day and every word you say and every word you speak and every gift you bring that just having some intention would make your life feel and experience so more intentionally and so much more beautifully that there's so much color to this world that even though the news says otherwise and even though your, you know, family or whatever, it might seem so negative in such a dark space that the only change that can happen is within you first. Sto okay, so I almost said story time again. Like what? No, no more stories today. Um, but that's really, if I could leave you just with three thought processes, so that way I could maybe help you not have to go through a near death experience to appreciate exactly what you have is number one, be intentional, be intentional with your words. Even when others are being really nasty towards you or, or the, the climate of the political, you know, you know, station of our world and, and the, the news and the media and all these things are really, really negative and beating down negativity down our throats and fear down our throats to be intentional. And uh, really think, how can I find beauty in this moment? How can I be careful with my words so I don't um, want to ever take them back? How can I be really careful to get my point across without being a, an asshole, basically, right? Uh, number two is is asking the right questions, right? Going back and saying, where can I find beauty in this? Where Where can I see love in this person? even though what they're saying seems so ugly. I think that's the big, a big, huge one, right? Is people will say things to us and we will be like, how can a human being talk to us like that? Or even us say something really, really ugly. But at the core of it, at the base of it, that's our way. That's our brain's way with the knowledge we currently have to, um, 
we think we're doing the best. We think that's the best case scenario. We think that we're helping someone by giving them a little tough love like that. And actually, I'm a total proponent of tough love, but intentional tough love. And we'll get to that on a whole nother podcast, y'all. So, so yeah, taking those moments to ask the right questions instead of just getting your point across in an ugly way. And then number three, honor honor your commitments, honor who you are as a husband or wife, honor who you are as a friend or a human being, honor who you are in someone's life as their sister or their mother. Take that commitment very seriously. Take that to heart. Even when everyone around you does it, take it to heart. I can't tell you all the mean and terrible and just rude things that Edwin and I would fight about before and, and all the fights. Oh my gosh, we lived in a fight. Like, did we not have anything better to do than fight? Cause that's what it seemed like. And just see that he could have acted in any way. He could have let me literally die there and just have been doing the exact bare minimum or, or never showing up, even though he was exhausted after work. He literally could have did anything, um, but he would always, he showed up, you know, he showed up and he showed his commitment to helping me heal and helping me grow as a person. And because of that, um, our marriage has never been the same. And, and, and let me tell you, it didn't just, we didn't just wake up and this was a miraculous moment and that I'll, I was all better and he appreciated me and I appreciated him. We still had to work at that and we still do. And we still do, but our commitment and our honor to our commitment, our honor to the, to our marriage and to our union is so strong now, is so, so, so strong now. And that's because we really try to see each other on a different level. We really try to respect each other's opinions, even when we don't believe or agree on the same things. So that's my story for you guys today. I just wanted to say love y'all. I'd love to hear about it. If you had a near death experience before, I want to know, I want to know all about it. I want to know how it changed you. And, um, I want to know from you guys connecting with me. So go ahead. And if you feel called to do so, leave a review. And I hope this left you with something that you can take along in your lives. I love you guys. You just listened to episode number two, Till Death Do You Part. I'm dying to know what you guys think and also if you've had any near-death experiences and how it's changed you, how it's impacted your life. What did it change about your feelings on what the legacy you're leaving on this planet is? So go ahead and comment, connect with me, and uh, if you feel led to, leave me a review. Bye, guys.